Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Welcome to an emergency edition of the Winning Plays Podcast. My name is Brian Robb. Unfortunately, I'm not joined tonight by my regular co-hosts, Michael Pina and Rich Levine, but we are managed to bring in a very special guest for tonight, uh, former editor-in-chief of Celtics Hub and renowned salary cap savant, Celtics Savant, Ryan Bernadoni, at DangerCart on Twitter. Please follow him on there. It's kind enough to join the show as we get in our initial thoughts and reaction to the Anthony Davis deal. Ryan, how are you this evening? I'm doing okay. Um, Marcus Smart's still a Celtic. Um, I live in fear of a Lakers-Sixers final in the next couple of years. But other than that, I'm doing all right. How are you? (laughs) Can't complain. Can't complain. You're just trying to. I'm enjoying the fact that this uh, uh, another NBA trade was broken on a Saturday night in uh, in the middle of the off season. But that uh, before draft night. But that is how this world works now. And we are here on Sunday night to where the dust has settled a little bit. Twenty four hours after the fact, um, but clearly the number one target um, on the Celtics radar for a number of years. Um, and Anthony Davis is off the board as he heads to the Lakers for a package featuring Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, the number one, number four overall pick, and two first-round picks with some uh, protections attached along with some swapping. Rights all that, the picks. All the picks, pretty it's much. All pretty much picks. cleaning them out. Um, as good as the the, Lake, the, the Pelicans were probably going to do in this situation with Lakers, um, considering that they used the fact that Kyle Kuzma was not in the deal as an excuse great, to get everything else. The great Kyle Kuzma. Right. <laughs> the, the, the 31% uh, shooting. Yeah. Untouchable. Untouchable. The, the number three option. But, right, let's look. We can talk about the Lakers a little bit later. I guess we should start here with the Celtics since this, I mean, we all know why. We understand why the Celtics did not make this deal, obviously, with what's happened with Kyrie in the last couple of months here but does this does the price here make you feel any better just in terms of like this is obviously a trade the Celtics you know weren't going to make given the amount of assets that were going to be needed to to match what the Lakers bring on the table yeah I don't really think they could have ma- well I mean they could have matched what what the Lakers put on the table they could have included you know Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart and all the draft picks whatever um but this is maybe the biggest haul that anybody has received in sort of modern NBA history um, for a player. And to a certain extent, that makes sense, right? Like there's not a lot of times when a multi all NBA potential future MVP gets traded when they're 25 or 26 years old. So um, yeah, I don't think that the Celtics could have matched what the Lakers gave up and the Lakers were just like, they gave up their whole future, right? They just gave up everything. They, They gave up, they looked at it and said, we have LeBron and, he uh, he's getting old, and we got to go for this now, and and so they are. Um, so the the Celtics were probably never in this range, even in terms of what they were going to give up. So yeah, you know, I've, you got to feel okay about that, I guess. But um, yeah, it's a little disappointing to to have plans for this long, uh, maybe come to nothing. But um, it would have been tough to tough to beat that that price. It is. I mean, you. I just I'm curious to see where like how this 
the Celtics player assets were viewed against the Lakers player assets in terms of from, I mean, David Griffin's perspective, which I guess we'll never know um, officially, but, you know, Lonzo, I mean, Tatum was clearly the number one player asset in play here, but you were essentially a deal like this, like Tatum and Smart and then probably the Memphis pick and probably two other first round picks, like maybe that's enough, but maybe that wouldn't have been enough um, given the all the swapping and everything and the fact that, you know, the Lakers are able to prove, improve that first round this pick this year to number four on lottery night and that kind of tipped the scales even more than they were already, I guess. Yeah, I assume that uh, made a pretty big difference. Uh, but that would have been, an, even just what you listed, would have been a pretty crazy to give up. Right. Uh, even if you, I don't know, I mean, maybe if Davis wanted to come to the Celtics, you uh, you would say that, and like was actively saying that this is where he wanted to be. But even if there wasn't all the stuff about him wanting to be a Laker and, you know, signing with Rich Paul and, and all that's been going around, even if it was just like a sort of generic trading for a player who you're hoping to keep and you don't have any indication that he's doesn't want to be there, you know, maybe he, he'll, he'll stay, you don't really know. Uh, even under that circumstance, just what you listed would have been a, a pretty heavy price. Um, and I I don't know even if that would have beaten the Lakers offer that they eventually ended up with. Like, it really is a, a case of they have, they're going to get Zion, right? They're going to, they have the number one pick. We know who they're going to pick number one. We don't know who they're going to take fourth, but it's going to be somebody who's pretty good. I know people think this is a bad draft, but uh, usually people don't know what they're talking about when it comes to the draft. Like, there's going to be somebody who's picked between four and eight who's who's really good, probably. There usually is. Um, and those guys, along with, with some other people that they have on the team, whether you like who they got or not, specifically, there's going to be good players who come in the next couple of years. And then when LeBron's like 39 and 40 years old, they're going to have the Lakers picks. And Zion and the guys who they got now are going to be like 23, 24, you know, where all these new players are coming in with likely lottery picks. Like, it's really hard to, to beat what, what the Pelicans just picked up here. Uh, so, like I said, even if even if you didn't know that Anthony Davis wanted to be a Laker, it would have been hard to beat that offer. Um, and knowing that he did want to be a Laker, you just got to walk away at some point, uh, no matter what you uh, were hoping to, to achieve. And so now the question obviously turns to what now? I guess this was, I mean, probably ultimately the most likely scenario to happen based on how the season ended for the Celtics. Clearly, no one would have envisioned this um, 12 months ago, or obviously even, you know, six months ago after Kyrie um, made his declaration, but um, things clearly changed. Uh, when exactly where you will probably find out in the weeks to come, but, you know, February 1st will probably always be known as somewhat of a turning point. Um, but yeah, if Kyrie, you know, AD was kind of always seen as a Kyrie, you know, package deal slash, slash get them together to make them both stay. Both of them, in all likelihood, aren't going to be here. And the number one thing that everyone wants to know right now is what's going to happen with Al Horford, since that's kind of the the next domino to fall in this Celtics offseason. What's your... How hard are you trying to get him to come back if you're Danny Ainge right now, right? In terms of, obviously, there's some negotiating going on and well, as far as a, a long-term deal just goes and where this how things are going to get laid out. I mean, obviously, you'd like for him to come back. Um, I'd like to come, like for him to come back for a couple of reasons. One is that the team's not going to be bad next year. Uh, it, you know, they're they have too much talent to tank, right? They're not, they're not going right. to go that route. Uh, so they're going to be a playoff team, and uh, Al's a really good playoff performer, and, and you're going to want him back from that perspective of just being competitive. Uh, I will also throw out that it's not like totally impossible to imagine a scenario where the Celtics are really good next year still. Uh, something that I've pointed out um, over the years is that you look at sort of history of players who go on to be really great, um, you know, sort of relevant NBA historical players, they make a big leap in their third year. Um, Jason Tatum, you know, was based sort of the de facto number one pick. The Celtics would have taken him number one. It's not impossible that he makes a Dwayne Wade, Kawhi Leonard style third year leap and that they're really, really good next year. It's, you know, that doesn't seem likely today, but a lot of things that, that didn't seem likely a year ago have, have come to pass now. Uh, so you would like to keep him from that perspective. There's also the perspective of you don't want to lose him for nothing, right? Even if he, if he re-signs on a bargain deal and things continue to go in sort of a, a bad direction for Celtics fans, you would like to be able to trade him a year from now, two years from now. Um, 
and you think that he would probably understand the circumstances of that if he were to to opt out and come back on a on a better deal and that the team would you would hope do as you know as right by him as they can it would be a contending team who would want to trade for him anyway so if the Celtics aren't a contender a year or two from now um, and he's signed to a to a good deal then you would figure he would end up on a contender if the Celtics were to trade him and then they would be able to to recoup some value. So obviously you would like to keep him. Uh, I don't think it's a Kyrie situation where if he chooses to opt out and leave, I don't think Celtics fans will like hold it against him in the same way. No. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I would like for him to be a Celtic, uh, you know, a month from now. Yeah. I mean, I think it's almost to a degree. I mean, just based on what I've, I kind of asked him about this at various points in a year, just in terms of what he's looking for. And he, you know, repeatedly referenced, you know, the, a chance to win, above all else at this point in his career, which again, makes sense that for him at age 33, um, he's not going to get, you know, $30 million in the open market um, if he turns down this option, but he's made, you know, hundreds of millions already. So where that ranks his priority, but I'm kind of, I don't like, it's kind of a test to see now, like how much does Al Horford believe in the young guys on this team to a degree? Yeah. Because like you said, there is, you know, there is a scenarios where this team is, in the East Finals next year, and if everything goes right in the NBA Finals next year, if Horford's still here and the right moves are made on the periphery, and obviously, like you said, Tatum and Gordon Jaylen, Hayward gets healthy. Gordon Hayward, yeah. exactly. Everyone kind of plays to the level we thought they would this year. Um, but obviously, that all is dependent on that goes out the window if Horford walks out the door. So it will be interesting to see just what, how the, what the Celtics can sell them on, and if they have a like, a separate plan that they're kind of working in with, whether it's using some picks on draft night or obviously they don't have much stuff they can do with trade pieces, but they do have Aaron Baines back, his salary, Yabasili's salary. So they can do, they can make some minor moves um, to maybe potentially improve their case for Horford. Yep. And I think some of uh, maybe even something like bringing back, uh, you know, Marcus Morris could, could have a factor in there, just saying, you know, we're spending money, bringing back some some veteran guys. That could also play into some things down the line where, you know, mid-season trades, the problem of not having salaries to move has been one that's existed for a couple of years now. Um, so that would open up some some possibilities. Like you said, you know, you can make pick trades in the future. The Memphis pick is going to look like it has a lot of value down the line. Uh, so they're not, you know, the this is not the end of the journey. It's not like the, the Celtics are now just a a four seed for the rest of the franchise's history. Um, so yeah, they have a lot of, a lot to sell. Um, but they, they also have a lot to sell, uh, or, you know, a lot of things to, uh, to bring up in that conversation, uh, in terms of he has been here to see what Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and players like that are, uh, over a couple of years now. And if he believes in them, then you would assume that, that he'll come back. Um, if he believes in what, uh, you know, Danny Ainge in the front office are selling, then you would assume he would come back, but we don't really know. Uh, there have been a lot of assumptions, uh, you know, like I said, what, what we thought a year ago has changed. There's been a lot of assumptions along the way, um, and they don't always hold up because things change for players. Um, obviously, a lot of things have changed for the Celtics and for Horford, but like I said, I mean, I hope he's back. Uh, I think he's at a point in his career where if he, you know, if he opted out and the team came calling, that was just a dramatically better situation, and, and he took it. It would be really hard to blame him, like you said, at, at this age. So um, he's got it's options. Tough to, sure it's tough to find that team. Is it tough to find it that is. team, though, now? Thing. That's the thing, right? Yeah. Like I agree. Yeah. Maybe, again, there's no the, – with the Duran and Clay Thompson injury, obviously things are – and just free agency in general, things are probably going to be as wide open as ever, particularly if yeah. Kawhi opts out. But then even then, there's no one that can be like, Al Horford, you're going to put us over the top here. Yeah, that's the thing. I agree with that. Like you go to, like let's say the Clippers now have no one to to get because Durant's hurt and Kawhi, Kawhi might stay in Toronto. But like he's not gonna, he's not changing the future of that franchise. That's always why the thoughts of like maybe there's some like complicated move that lands him in Houston somehow, because um, that would be the one place where you could really look at it and be like, you know, maybe he does put them over the top, uh, even with. LeBron and AD teaming up, especially because they're going to potentially just have a, a skeleton crew around them and with uh, the Warriors in the, the state of, of injury that they're in right now. So that's the one, but he, obviously he can't sign there, right? He, it right. would have to be, be via the Celtics still in, in some way. Uh, but I agree, it is hard to see what the team is that needs um, 
a player like him to potentially put them over the top and can just sign him outright. Uh, it probably doesn't exist uh, as far as I can tell. Right. So at least the Celtics, like, again, unlike the Kyrie situation where a sign and trade seems highly unlikely, um, a Horford sign and trade or an opt in and trade. Um, just seems it's generally more, unlikely. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> just generally unlikely, but it's more feasible. Um, from yeah, or if the, he comes back sort of with an, a tacit understanding that, or a direct understanding, you know, they can have these conversations where they're just saying, you know, if we. If if we're five hundred at the at the the trade deadline, then we'll find a you know work with you to find right, a, we'll a home that works. Right. Uh, I think he's probably earned that and has that kind of uh, you know that that kind of credibility with the front office uh, where they could work something like that out if it came to that. Which again, I hope it doesn't. I don't think anybody wants to be in that position. Um, but as a fallback option, as something that you can discuss with them at a time, I think it would be reasonable. Where do we think his market is right now? For this, assuming for the that for the Celtics, yeah, like what's uh, yeah, I mean, it's between all, twenty and twenty-five, like even that might be rich based on what he's opting out of, right? Like that's the first thing. If he's opting out of thirty, unless he's just doing the franchise a favor, like you're going to end up having to pay him quite a bit coming back. And the number that I that I think most people use that I think is reasonable is like you know three sixty, something like that. You structure it um, in a variety of different ways that the team could. Um, maybe you set that up to be kind of a descending salary so that. He gets a little bit more in his first year, and there's you know better value on on the back end. Um, but I really don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, you see how wild stuff people who want who are just like sort of living in a world of fantasy and hope. They're like, what if he signs for four years, sixty million dollars? I'm like, yeah. What if he <laughs> doesn't? Like, why? why <laughs> well, now he, he has no that? reason. To, he has no reason yeah. to take a discount. Now is kind of the problem. Not not to that level. I mean, he might take yeah. some amount of a discount um, under certain you know whatever. He maybe he just really loves the North End. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But yeah, three sixty ish somewhere in there. Otherwise, I've, it would probably just make sense to opt in. Um, if you take if any less than that, you assume you would just opt in. It might be a little more than that. Right. I think I would think it has to be because one thirty. Like I feel like he's his market rate. Like even after next year, will probably be more than fifteen years. So yeah, if I'm his um, agent, I'm probably being like, I'm not doing anything for less than like three sixty six or something like that, just to yeah, to sweeten that up. But. But again, like you said, the the Celtics, they're, I think it's Jeff Schwartz's, like, he's in a great position just to leverage this because, I mean, the Celtics aren't obviously going to give him, you know, they're going to draw the line somewhere, but they're also in a pretty vulnerable spot right now to lose a second, their second best player for nothing. Well, I think there's a, yeah, I mean, I think there's a bunch of things in play there. So one is that if he opts out and they haven't worked something out ahead of time and they somehow the talks break down, like, I agree that nobody's going to max him, but like somebody would sign him for one year, $30 million. Oh, yeah. There would be a team that misses out on everybody else. That's like one year, you just want to basically get the contract that you just gave up and whatever. Like, So financially, he's he's not really at any risk to opt out, in, in my opinion. Like, I don't know, when he gets injured walking down the street or something, but um, there's there's no real risk there. From the Celtics' perspective, I think there is quite a bit of risk in terms of him walking, not just in terms of on-court stuff, but like you really don't want to go through a year where... Kyrie Irving said he doesn't want to be a Celtic. Al Horford says he doesn't want to be a Celtic. Anthony Davis says he doesn't want to be a Celtic. Terry Rozier says he doesn't want to be a Celtic. Right. <laughs> Marcus Morris didn't seem very happy being a Celtic. Like you just at some point, the the optics across the league of like who's the next guy who's going to want to come to the Celtics if like a young All NBA player, a young MVP candidate, a respected veteran All Star, a veteran role player a young role player like the whole spectrum of players who you're trying to get involved with your team like if all of those players are like yeah i pass like i just don't want to be there uh, even if they all have different reasons and there's a whole bunch of different incentives to play like that just looks really bad uh as you're trying to move forward and eventually add players of a high caliber again so i do think there's a you know a lot of risk out there in terms of uh losing horford beyond just um you know, on-court stuff. But again, like, if he wants to leave, I, I can't blame him. Um, but I, I hope he doesn't, and I hope that they are able to work out something that's reasonable and sort of works for both teams, or both uh, both sides of the, the equation here. So, we'll see. No, it's going to be... It'll be a fascinating week on this front again. The, the, the deadline to decide is Tuesday, June 18th here, um, which is far earlier than previous reports had indicated. I think. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised. Adam Hill's back possible was first to 
report that updated date. So that's going to be, again, something to watch. It can be moved um, clearly up to the 29th, I believe. So, but I would imagine yeah, the it Celtics... It would surprise me if they move it back to after the draft. Yeah. Like, if he's basically saying, I'm going to opt out um, if I have to do it today, and I'll figure it after, and they are, they're sort of in a position of like, yeah, just why don't you wait until the day after the draft, and if something comes up at the draft, we can discuss the options with you, something like that. Like, it wouldn't shock me if they move it, um, but, you know, it, I'm sure they've been talking, uh, so it, they may just keep it where it is. But if, if they really are sort of still up in the air, then moving it to a day or two after the draft wouldn't be like an unreasonable, uh, you know, compromise for a couple days. Those demand Baines plays 30 minutes at the five every night. That's the only way. High Lord. High Lord. Lord for exactly. 42 minutes. 42 minutes. <laughs> lead the world in block shots. We'll see if those per 36 numbers hold up. It's... So I guess that... We'll go on the assumption here that this is either either he signs the extension this week or it's still undecided by draft time um, on Thursday night. The Celtics, obviously, they have number 14, number 20, number 22 in terms of picks. We're going to break down all the prospects um, in that range now. No, we're not. We are not going to touch that. (laughs) But the Celtics are clearly in a spot now where I think it's evident that they don't, they're not going to want to take all these three. Like, I would be shocked if they don't do anything. They're not going to take these picks as is. They're in a spot where... They have they don't have much to work with in terms of being creative if they want to keep their core in place, but they still have a little bit of salary to work with now, and obviously may have the added incentive to keep Horford engaged and say, okay, we're you know improving here with these picks to go into more of a win now mode to help appease him there. So based on that, what kind of maneuvers do we think could be in play? on Thursday night um, with that, you know, collection of picks? Uh, well, we'll come up with, like, four or five things, and they'll just take three guys, and we'll be like, what's going on here? Right, um, <laughs> uh, right there's the obvious ones. They uh, Trading up is generally, in my opinion, a bad deal uh, in the NBA. You look back at the history of trade-ups, and they usually um, do not work out uh, as well for the team that's trading up. Um, sometimes they work out great, but just <laughs> sort of in aggregate. Uh, trading up hasn't been a great deal, but if you have three picks and you have a roster that's pretty full, uh, it's reasonable to, to look to trade up. So could they get from 14 to nine, right? Somewhere in there. It's really hard to trade up uh, for where they are now because eight, 10, and 17 are all owned by the Hawks already. So like, why would the Hawks want to do a two for one right, when they already have? So like the picks that you would think that they might be able to move up to, like maybe they could get to eight and you're like, oh, but the Hawks already have three picks. And like, they're not going to want 14 and 20 to, to move back from eight. Um, so that makes things a little bit extra complicated, but you know maybe they can get up to nine. Um, and what I've always, what I've sort of said about this is like if you think that if the fifth best player on the Celtics board is available at nine, then trading up from fourteen, you know fourteen plus twenty or fourteen and twenty-two to get up to like nine and get the guy who's fifth on your board, like that makes makes a decent amount of sense, even if historically like it hasn't hasn't worked out well, especially because you have the extra pick. So that would be the the most obvious thing. Uh, right, they could. I don't know what the international prospects are. I don't know if there's like a draft and stash guy that's somewhere in that twenty twenty two range. There's not there much really there. Is, there really know. isn't. Yeah, Austin. Yeah. We asked Austin Ainge about that a few weeks ago, and he was pretty much like, you know, yeah. there's no obvious candidates there. And we saw what you know they even a couple years ago with Zizic and the Abu, like they were reaching at those spots to take what? those guys because they were no, they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> I know um, this is news. Yeah. But, and you yeah. can try to trade out for future years, but it's not like the NFL or, or other sports where you where that's common, where you trade a pick this year for a pick in the future, um, especially in this case where you'd probably, like, I mean, maybe there's a team, maybe the, whatever, the Warriors say, hey, we've been really thin on wings and there's somebody we like at 22 and we'll give you our pick in the future. And you're basically saying like, oh, we're going to get the 28th pick for the 22nd pick and we're going to wait a year. Like, it doesn't really work out particularly well for that. They They did well when they traded out 31 and 35 to get the late, the Clippers pick they have this year. Uh, that ends up being a pretty good value, although coming into the year you thought maybe they wouldn't get it at all and it would be a second-round pick and all this stuff. So even then you're you know, you're know kind of uh, taking a risk that doesn't have a, a ton of upside on it. Um, so maybe they could do that. There's other things, right? I mean, I don't know who the specific players you would target are, but they do have, like you said, a little bit of salary here and there. They also maybe have players who you wouldn't think would be available at all, but... Jalen Brown's up for an extension. Like it's not 
Right. It's not impossible that they could look to to move Brown in a pick for something, especially if they're just sort of pivoting to go in a different direction. Uh, I don't think anybody would expect it, but it wouldn't be like the most surprising thing in the world to see a, a team going into extension talks with a player and uh, saying, you know, hey, maybe we want to go in a different direction here. So there's, I don't know who the player that you're targeting with that is. That's the problem or, or the pick. You know, I sort of had mentioned they, they're talking about how maybe the Pelicans want to trade the fourth pick. And I said, you know, I, when everybody's doing like their Anthony Davis asset rankings on all different podcasts and websites and everything, like pretty much universally, the fourth pick was listed as a more valuable asset than Jalen Brown. But with the Celtics trade Jalen Brown for the fourth pick, like I think a lot of people who aren't involved with, or aren't following the team would say, yeah, that would make sense to do. But I would guess Celtics fans at least would be like, oh, no, we're never going to do that. That's crazy. Jalen Brown's too good. Um, so, you know, surprises could come out of left field on, on draft night as well. Uh, but I don't know if you've thought of anything that's like, is there something that you're sitting on that's like, this is the player I want, this guy who makes $4 million and we can get him for Yabu and 14, and I, I don't know if that player exists. Right, that's the problem. Like, there's, given how much salaries have gone up in the last couple of years, even in the draft slots, like, you're pretty much just looking at, you know, there aren't a lot of guys on rookie deals that are available um, that you'd want. Um, yeah, good guys on rookie that. deals. Right, don't get, don't get traded. <laughs> exactly, they generally don't get moved, and then... No one else is signed to a deal that small um, that you would want. So that's the – I haven't gone, like, done a full purge. I've been, obviously, more focused on, guy, you know, plan Bs to Anthony Davis, which, again, is pretty thin, thin there. Yeah. We can kind of – we can go down that road uh, very Jason quickly. Jason good really fast. Right. Um, but, yeah, there is – I mean, it will be – I think you're – like you said, the best odds of something happening will be, again, consolidating maybe if they – find a spot that um you know a guy that flies that they like um that like you said at nine that might be five on their board or something like that that's probably the, the most likely scenario but standing pat just doesn't seem like again the 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 variable i think here is horford like what is horford telling do you need to do something to appease horford here or do you not care about that like the how those talks have gone i feel like will have some kind of meaningful influence on what they do on draft night it's just hard to think of what that would even be, though. Like, they're not going to... The only salary that they have that they could move to get a veteran that you would think might, you know, uh, encourage him to stay in some way would be smart, and that doesn't really make any sense because whoever they get for him is probably going to be worse than smart and older. Uh, you know, just by... If what they're looking for is just like, oh, we want to get a, a veteran presence, like, smart is already that, even though he's... Yeah. You know, he's smart's he's, not he's a veteran now. I mean, he's a veteran of his own, but that's the, the, exactly the point. Like, without... If you're not moving him, then... What, what else about is there to Baines, do? Baines yeah. and Yabuselli? Again, I guess this comes back to the question of like what has been committed to Baines in terms of opting in. Now they, they I've have heard nothing. Him, I've heard nothing. That yeah, happens. and there have been reports that have said that they've made some amount of commitment that they won't immediately move him. Um, I I don't I don't know. I mean, I believe you, <laughs> um, but. Uh, I, I'm not in the room, uh, so so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't um, be a great like. But, they they clearly want him to like. He would be useful to have. Like he's not. Yeah, but I mean, if you're looking for somebody else who's useful to have, right? I mean, you can. They'd be under the tax because they don't have uh, Kyrie Irving on the roster right now. So, you know, you put those together, you get eight and a half million. You know, you can get a player who makes twelve million, something like that, for uh, for the fourteenth pick. Now the question is, yeah, Buselli is probably viewed as a bad contract. It's only one year. It's only $3 million. It's not a huge deal, but that's a negative you're attaching. Baines is maybe a neutral asset around yeah. the league. I mean, I don't, centers you can get cheap. I don't know if he's viewed as having any particular value. So you're basically saying like, all right, we're going to give you money that you're going to view as nothing, you know, just sort of average. And then what's the real value of the 14th pick in a draft that people like aren't wild about? Again, who's, is there a $12 million player who's just sort of like, meh, who's like, yeah, that guy should be making $12 million and the Celtics are going to get him and suddenly Al Horford's going to be like, that's the team. I, I definitely want to be there now. Um, it's just really hard to figure out like, what Two that words. would be. <laughs> <laughs> any Any one of the Heats. Uh, they all make that amount of money and nobody really wants them. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, pretty much. That is, I'm actually looking at, this is just a really gross cap sheet. Yeah, it's yeah. that's the horror show. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. There's all the other stuff that gets thrown around, you know, double sign-in trades and what can you do with Kyrie before he's out the door and, and all that. But realistically, like, 
what's probably going to happen is that they're going to, you know, Al's going to opt out, probably come back on a deal that uh, at first people are going to be like, oh, I was hoping we'd get him for less. And you're going to be like, yeah, well, too bad. Like, that's that was the leverage they had. Again, they'll look to turn three picks into two. It won't be like a great value trade up, but it'll, you know, they're going to add two rookies. The 51st pick will be a guy who goes on to a two-way uh, and this will probably be the team going into the season, and they'll be looking to kind of feel things out um, and hoping guys take a step forward or get back to, to health, um, and then they'll go from there. And, you know, you get to get to the middle of the season and, and reevaluate, and it's not glamorous, but um, I don't know what else. <laughs> I don't know what the other options are at the moment. Uh, I know everybody wants to come up with ways to get Bradley Beal or something, but... That, it just seems overwhelmingly likely at this point that that's how this plays out. Yeah, I mean, it's. I guess that's the scary part of this whole situation here for the Celtics is that like they don't really have any options. Like this is their course based on how this has played out, which yeah. is not ideal. But I mean, it's again still better than nothing that you still have, you know, two elite young players and another potentially emerging young player in Marcus Smart who could you know. Long term, exactly. Maybe <laughs> have some more. All these guys having more opportunity is based on what we saw last year. Not the worst thing in the world. Um, but I guess the worrying part now for the long term is just like with these assets and again picks and yeah. figuring out what to do. Is there? There's no clear next guy you're waiting for here, which is not the case in the last yeah. few years. There was clear guys that okay, once Anthony Epson get traded, and obviously Kawhi kind of came out of nowhere. But Paul George before that was, you know, you could see Cummings, Jimmy Butler, et cetera. Um, yeah. So there were there were clear cut options that were going to emerge. Now there, there's there's nothing there in the uh, at least in the interim. I feel like outside of Beal and the Wizards don't even have a GM, yeah. and who who knows how good he is. That's the thing. Like Beal doesn't doesn't change things right. uh, in in the same way. You know, Beal's like Jimmy Butler was like he's a good player to get. You'd like to have him, but. Um, and I don't even know if feels that good, but um, yeah, I mean, the, and the the clock moves fast, right? The Jalen Brown's up for an extension. Tatum's only a year away from that. Uh, Smart's already been signed. Like the picks that the the picks have turned into things that are good, but they're they haven't turned into Carl Towns and Giannis, right? They haven't turned into those players yet. And again, like that's your hope is that next year Jason Tatum takes this monumental step forward like other players in the past have, but you can't necessarily count on that looking from the outside. Uh, the one thing I will say is that this is a league that's always turning over now. We, you know, we talk all the time about short how the short contracts, um, player power, things like that. So we didn't know that Kyrie Irving was going to be available in the trade market. We didn't know that Paul George was going to be available for trade. We, there were thoughts that eventually he would come up for free agency uh, and, and be you know, actually available. Uh, we didn't know that Kawhi was going to be, everybody thought that Kawhi was going to stay with the Spurs for his entire career, like every other Spur does. Um, we knew that Anthony Davis was a question, but the Pelicans made the, you know, made the playoffs not that long ago, made it to the second round of the playoffs. Um, and so it wasn't ever a guarantee that he was going to not want to just sign his Supermax. So these players who, who have all been sort of somewhere between questionable or not even really under consideration, they all came up for trade and players will come up for trade in the next couple of years. Uh, a year from now, there's the decision on Supermax for Giannis, right? Um, Carl Towns is on a five-year contract that he just, you know, starts this coming season. But a couple years down the line, you, you don't know um, what will happen in, in Minnesota. Ben Simmons, he could, who knows, 18 months from now, he's clashing heads with Joel Embiid, and he becomes, a, you know, available. There's always players who are come, becoming available. But one of the problems right now is that the, the Celtics a couple of years ago, we're in a position where you looked out and like anybody who comes on the market in the next couple of years, the Celtics are going to have the best offer for them. Right. And if somebody comes on the off on the market two years from now, and Jalen's on his second contract, and Tatum's starting his second contract, and the Memphis pick is in the rearview mirror, and they haven't been able to replenish that sort of, you know, stockpile of future picks, and they're making the playoffs every year, and they don't have these great picks of their own coming, like they won't be in a position to get that player either, barring relative, you know, not relatively real major moves between now and then. And I think that's where the real concern comes from. It was there was a time when they were a team in the middle, but there did, it didn't feel like they were in any sort of quicksand, right? It was like, oh, they've got all these possibilities in the future. And right now it feels like they could be in the middle and also players could become available and they would just be like not in, not a serious competitor to get them. Um, and that's what I think is really different from just a couple of years ago when 
they made the decision to to jump in with Irving. Um, so that's what sort of what scares me thinking uh, about the next couple of years. But yeah, James Harden, right? Maybe it's Harden <laughs> that comes up. You just throw out all the names, like guys. But you know what I mean, right? Like I don't know who if there's anybody who you think, but like players will become available who are real real big you know, sort of league movers in the next three or four years. But uh, I don't know who they are, and I don't know what the Celtics' position right. will be when they when that happens. I agree with you 100. Like the Celtics are not again unless you know if. if if Jalen or Jason like takes that next step, you're not going to want to move them. And once they get yeah. on that next contract, then like, if they don't, they don't. Then they don't then right. Auto Porter, right? And then you're exactly. like, oh, actually, I don't really want that guy for twenty five, thirty million dollars. Like, that's the the real risk. So yeah, and the fact that that they never were really going to have a chance to go all in on a team, like, which I guess they thought they were doing to a certain degree this past season, but like. Clearly, there. I mean, there are all sorts of factors involved there, but they could have, you know, gone deeper there, and they chose not to do so last offseason um, with the, you know, kind of playing it coy with the the Kawhi offers. Um, and now again, well, but there's no regrets there. No, no regrets. <laughs> <laughs> but now you're in a situation where you again, you you have the you you think you have the the ability to to go for it with AD, but there's no. The incentive is not there. Like you, there's even if they trade for AD with the amount they've given up, they were far from a being a sure thing from being beyond a top three team in the East, based on how things went this summer. So it's kind of just striking again, just the again how quickly change, things change in twelve months. And I mean, we haven't talked about Kyrie much in this podcast for good reason, but just how how much how long how much that's going to hurt. Um, I'd say I'd argue even more so than like the Hayward situation, um, in terms of just limiting what this team could do, um, moving forward based on obviously how things went the last two years. It has not been great. <laughs> things did not did not go to plan. I mean, right? They, I, I say this probably too frequently, but they when you set off on a high risk, high reward strategy, uh, there's a high risk. Um, that's and sometimes you're going to get bitten by that. Um, and in this case, they appear did to they, have. Did they underrate so. the risk a little bit? I feel like in had, trying to have their cake and eat it too last year. I feel like with, oh, when you get to last year, yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, I always thought there was a risk in in Irving himself sure. uh, on, on a number of on a number of ways that maybe other people didn't um, didn't see uh, as being that big of a risk to begin with. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that there's there's a lot of retrospective uh, questions that, that you can ask at this point about whether or not they uh, misread the risk, whether or not they thought that they had more to risk than, I mean, obviously they had more to risk than, than they thought. If you thought that this was going to be a 58-win team and it's a 49-win team where everybody hates each other, like, you can look back and say, like, oh, they couldn't risk what they had last year. And you're like, oh, actually, they, they could have. Right. Um, because what they had, like, just actually wasn't that good. And just because a lot of people thought that what they had was really good, like, it's not it's not the job of the front office to uh, do what fans and and podcast hosts and, and uh, bloggers um, think. And it's not their job to uh, to sort of, retroactively be able to justify the decisions that they made. It's their job to be forward looking and, and to make really difficult uh, evaluations and, and a lot of times to make evaluations that are going to make people mad um, and to ultimately get those things right. And like that's where it just comes down. Like They thought that they were going to be giving up too much to go after a player like Kawhi. They, they thought that Kyrie Irving was the type of player who would thrive in Boston. Um, they thought that, that Anthony Davis would be available in two years and not a year and a half and that um, maybe the history that they, you know, their recent history would, would make him want to come here. And like all those things obviously just didn't turn out to be correct. Uh, and so uh, how, what it turned out to be that they were risking and what the rewards were, um, maybe that was all a misread. But when they set out, they certainly thought, I think they knew that there was a lot of risk that they were taking on. And um, it, yeah, I mean, just to this point, it hasn't worked out. Well, you know, it's not a dead end, but um, it's not certainly what uh, what anybody was hoping for a couple of years ago. I do wonder if they ever thought the Rose rule would come into play with Anthony Davis. You know, I didn't, uh, so like when they made the trade, I was, 
I wasn't a particularly big fan of the trade when it when it went down, but like I didn't realize that component of it on, on the first moment. I, I'm sure that they did. Uh, this is like one of the one of the most, right. uh, you know, uh, sort of dot the the eyes and cross the t's for an office in terms of cap stuff. So I'm not. I have no doubt that they that they were aware of that this was going to be a, a situation. Like I didn't even realize that it was in play just because it wasn't my first thought of like Kyrie Irving. Wait, no, he's Rose restricted and Anthony Davis is too. So it took me a, a while to even like realize that that was in play because I think the, some of the stuff that I wrote right when it when it came out was like you know maybe they get Anthony Davis a year from now and this all looks better to me. And I, at that point, obviously, I hadn't thought thought it through of like, actually, they can't do that. Um, so I, I think they must have known that there was a, a risk there because that first checkpoint of that trade deadline was sort of a reasonable place where if he decided he wanted to force his way out instead of just sitting on it and waiting for the, the Supermax extension offer to come up and that to be the turning point, then that did exactly what it did and left them in a lurch. Um, but I think all these things, right? Like, it was a year and a half away. They... You're right. making bets on things that it's. If any, if they knew that Kawhi was going to become available, they probably would have would have operated differently as well. And again, like that's, it's hard to blame them for that. But also, that is their their job, right? That's why it's a highly sought after job, and why it's uh, you know there there aren't many of them. The only the the absolute best people should be in those positions. Um, no, you, I mean you can't. I don't think you can blame them at all. For the, I the Rose Rule part, I mean, I mean, oh, the Rose Rule part, the well, Rose Rule part, because yeah. it's like where, like, what guy asked out of the contract a year and a half, you know? And yeah. I mean, I guess it's very rare, but like, to it's a brand and then, new world, though, in terms of player power, in terms of what the supermax is going to, you know, at that point, how how the supermax and was going to impact player movement. Again, that's the sort of things that you're trying to sort of game out and and project in a way that's more than the basic analysis that people like like myself might be doing. Uh, so it's hard to, it, it's, that's a really hard thing to read, but to a certain extent you had, like you had to be thinking about it being like, okay, we do this. And the guy who we really want, we literally cannot get for two years. Yeah. There's no circumstance where we can get him for two years other than trading away Kyrie Irving. So for Kawhi Leonard. And then you would, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure pop was a, would have been ecstatic to coach Kyrie Irving. <laughs> I mean, would he probably would have preferred that over Demar, but maybe not. Maybe not. He seems though. to like Demar. That's true. Demar's a good guy. I mean, I don't think yeah, he has true. a problem with him. He just likes it. Well, Kyrie likes to take mid range jump shots too. It's just he makes more of them. Right. Until he plays the Bucks. Yeah. Well, those were not jump shots. Those were prayers that I don't even know what they were. Those were calls for calls for help. I guess. I mean, the, I guess the problem the Celtics front office ran into most is just assuming that Kyrie would go through a logical like sequencing in terms of judging where he could win. Like still Maybe. the best, I mean, and who knows what else. Gonna win Brooklyn with Tobias Harris. I mean, um, <laughs> I think the biggest thing that they misjudged, and like, I don't mean to say this, like he, like that he should be uh, fired or on the hot seat or anything, but I think they misjudged the Brad Stevens culture. I think that was a big yeah. part of it. Like they misjudged how he would be able to manage a team of this type. And, um, you know, sort of, uh, quite a few things in terms of that he, that he had never been challenged with before, um, and I don't think he did, had a good year coaching, and I think he, that had a big that. impact on um, how things played out. And I, so I would guess that that was, you know, or in my opinion, that was one of the the bigger mistakes that they made was thinking that like their sort of the Brad Stevens culture would carry them through a lot of things that obviously it did not carry them through. Yeah, I mean, it is pretty wild in hindsight with how that year went, just that they did nothing at all to the roster during the course of the year. To just yeah. try to like to just to, and I know Danny Ainge and is not a believer in that, you know, in terms of you know mixing it up for the sake of mixing it up. Well, he might be wrong though. But right, exactly. <laughs> like there is, but he was also you look at it and you look at like what the Raptors did this year and who they, you know, in addition to making the move like the making a couple big additions in the middle of the year, and how yeah. that you know formulated fits again. You're doing it in the right spot, so. But yeah, I think I mean they'll they'll learn from it. The problem is, like we've talked about here, it's just your options now are very very limited and very finite to a degree in certain areas. But it's funny. This all sounds terrible. Like we're this is all gloom and doom. But I'm actually like kind of happy with how things are have played out sure. now that like once you know that Kyrie is not coming back, like I, I think what's going to be next year is sort of a a fun team again, right? It's going to be an entertaining, enjoyable team to watch. 
young players who the fan base has a connection to um, in a way that they that they probably never did even with Kyrie because um, they you know players who were drafted here young players who you're gonna see develop and grow um, and a lot of it comes down to Al coming back right that, that's the first thing and also Hayward coming back in some sort of form um, that he showed flashes of in the second half of the year but like I think there's a potential for a team that people actually enjoy watching again um, and that's does some of the stuff that that they had done in the years past and there's a lot of players who I personally just like um, who I like to watch who I, I like to follow they seem like nice people um, they're not insane uh, all, well some of them might be but not all of them um, and so for all the gloom and doom like I'm actually kind of looking forward to next year in terms of just uh, enjoying watching the team 82 times a night during the regular season uh, so it you know the, it'll be interesting it's just in terms of their title contention it's it's real tough to see that now and maybe when you're in Boston and every other team is, is at least playing in the finals uh, you know seemingly every other year at the worst um, it's tough to be in that position more than in, in some other cities but um, you know like I said I think at the beginning I'm, I'm happy that Marcus Smart's still a Celtic um, I'm interested to see what Jason Tatum does over the next couple of years with his career and Jalen Brown and um, and number, you know a lot of other guys and draft picks coming in so there's, there's a lot to still enjoy even if uh, it's unlikely that they're you know dethroning the the Raptors uh, next year so um, I'm looking forward to that at least no I think you speak for the vast majority of the fan base on that front um, no one... at least the ones on Twitter yeah I don't know I about mean... the ones who like own season tickets and are like you know I don't know the the people who have but the people on Twitter <laughs> it seems to be pretty pretty okay with things actually but I you know I think it's a bad I'd say I feel incredibly confident that it's the majority that are going to be okay with the fact that the Celtics did not make this deal. And yeah, this one in particular, for sure. This one in particular. And then I do think it is the majority of the fan base that is okay with Kyrie like walking away. They they're they, tired of it. They're exactly they they are done with him. So that is again not good for team building, but as far as, you know, again having like what Grossbeck referred to having a team that, you know, is is fun to root for. Um is fun to watch. And then I'm sure you know, Brad Stevens has kind of done a little fist pump on his own right now because I think he, for as tough as a year as he had last year, I think now he has an opportunity to, he doesn't have to walk on eggshells anymore this year um, with this roster and can kind of uh, ingrain the what his teams, whether they're Butler or here, have been known for prior to last year. And that's just like, you know, hard play, you know, Grinding through adversity, guys playing their roles, um, all the above, all the stuff that was kind of missing through large portions of last year that is going to come back into play. Um, and now I guess the, the final question is, um, you know, whether he'll still have a place for Terry Rozier in that or not, but that's, we're not, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole right now. Well, I mean, I hope that the, that, uh, players buy back into that, right? You hope that the well hasn't been poisoned in any way going forward. Because uh, I actually think that there's more to it than, than that, maybe. You know, it's easy to say, like, oh, they're going to go back to being a team that's about uh, effort and execution and grinding things out. But, like, the, the there is also a, a future on this team that, again, it might not be this year, but down the line you are hoping that some of the players on this team make jumps forward. And in some ways those are going to be jumps that are that are hard, right? Like, it's not easy to be an all NBA player in this league. And that involves a lot of mental and physical challenges um, that the players are going to have to step up and, and want to attack. And you hope that they haven't taken the wrong lessons from the last year um, and misunderstood maybe what happened or, or taken away some things that they think are, are okay. Um, so I don't assume that things will go back to the way they were. Um, and I think if they do, then that would actually be even a, a little bit of a disappointment in the long term in terms of what the franchise is going to need going forward. Uh, I hope that what comes out of last year is that you have young players who look and say, I'm never doing that again, right? I don't want to be in that position again. I want to be in a position where we can really excel and, and move forward. And if next year is a reset towards that, then that's wonderful. Like, that's great. That's a really positive thing to, to look forward to and for everybody to be monitoring next year to those sort of personal development and growth both on and off court. Um, both again mental and physical so that's what I'll be watching for next year um, yeah, assuming that there aren't major changes between now and then that we have to come back and talk about 
And I think that actually gives us, you know, like I said, gives us a lot in terms of fun stuff to watch and players to like, but also things to, uh, to, to be looking for in terms of a brighter future than maybe what it feels like today. Because uh, there are still players on this team who have a, who have a ton of talent. Um, and I'm, I'm excited about that too. No, there's no question about that. I think that's, again, those guys should probably feel, you know. Big opportunity. Big opportunity, exactly. Big, big opportunity for them right now to achieve a lot of the things that they've probably been thinking about for, for a long time. And maybe felt that they were being blocked, but also maybe felt that in the past that they had a little bit of a right to before they had earned that right. Um, and that's sort of what I, what I mean by I'm hoping that they take the right lessons out of it. Um, and if you get guys who are come back and want to do things um, – you know, in a certain way, then, then there's a lot of promise and a lot of potential on the team. Uh, and uh, I, I hope that they, that they reach it because again, there's just a lot of people on this team now who I like, who yeah. I just plain think like I, I want really good things for them. Uh, even if um, those, you know, it's some somewhat self-serving obviously, but uh, there just are a lot of people on the team who I think are, are good guys and uh, interesting people and good players and they're young and I want, I want to see good things from them. So that's where I'm starting. Um, and I'm happy that they're not doing it on the Pelicans while we have a player who wants to be a Laker. So um, I'm all right with that. It will be, it will be, it would have been, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of happy, obviously, from that standpoint of just how, how awkward that situation would have been to it's a degree. Miserable. It, Another year of just like, right. like you said, walking on eggshells all the time. It just would have been a constant thing hanging over the, hanging over everybody, hanging over the fans, hanging over the franchise, hanging over the coaches and the front office and just like, it's a little bit of a relief just to not have to, not have to do that. Even if it means that you have a lower ceiling and that you might, you know, maybe Anthony Davis wins the title next year. And like I said, I, I fear a, a 76ers Lakers final for the, I don't want to see that, but um, I just want to be happy watching the team again. And I think that uh, there have been probably steps uh, towards that again, which I'm not, you know, I'm not going to complain. Well, it should be a fascinating week from here. We again, we a lot on the table as we head into draft night. Can't believe um, it's already here. It's already here. Uh, it feels like so much has happened already, but there's so much to go. We're not. We're still two weeks away from free agency, which is kind of bananas. But um, Ryan, thanks so much for hopping on with us. Hopefully, this will not be. Uh, well, this won't be. We're going to be bugging you again down the line, so don't worry about that. But I was follow. hoping that I was hoping to be the James Posey to your big three, but now you have a different podcast. Name. Well, I, I, I'm nothing. I don't even know. No, this is well. It's good. We don't have to change the podcast name. Marcus Morris not going to be traded now, so this is that's yeah. That's it, it, that was going to be a we we're going to have to pivot Oof. pretty quickly here. That was going to be <laughs> could have been rough. Um, but now fall Ryan um, at Danger Cart uh, again. One of the the best falls you will have on Twitter for all things Celtics and all things NBA. Um, so get him on there and. Um, Give us a uh, subscribe to the Winning Place podcast uh, if you have not yet done so. Uh, five stars reviews as well. We really appreciate anything on that front as well as um, ratings as well. And we will be back with you guys later this week to have a fuller preview of the Thursday night's NBA draft with, as well as get Rich and Mike's thoughts on the non AD trade as well. So. Thanks again for starters back in. Get starters back in, Ryan. Hey, that's a that's an available name now. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, (laughs) can't wait to see where they go. Love the starters. They're gonna have. They're gonna gonna land somewhere great. But that, well done, Ryan. Um, All right, we'll get to you guys later this week.